Let us now give our attention attention to the reading and the hearing of God's word as it's found in 2 Peter chapter 2. But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privately shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingered not, and their damnation slumbereth not. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example unto those that after should live ungodly, and deliver just lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust under the day of judgment to be punished. But chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise government. Presumptuous are they, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries. Whereas angels which are greater in power and might bring not railing accusation against them before the Lord. But these as natural brute beasts made to be taken and destroyed speak evil of the things that they understand not, and they shall utterly perish in their own corruption, and shall receive the reward of unrighteousness, as they that count it pleasure to riot in the daytime. Spots they are and blemishes, sporting themselves with their own deceivings, while they feast with you, having eyes full of adultery that cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls, and heart they have exercised with covetous practices, cursed children which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray following the way of Balaam, the son of Bozar, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but was rebuked for his iniquity, the dumb ass speaking with man's voice forbade the madness of the prophet. These are wells without water, clouds that are carried with a tempest, to whom the midst of darkness is reserved forever. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through much wantonness, those that were clean, escape from them who live in terror. 
While they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome, of the same is to be brought into bondage. For if they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it has happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. And this is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. As we began uh, reading through Second Peter this past Lord's Day, we are reminded there, particularly in chapter 1, that Peter's purpose in writing this second epistle is to encourage believers in holiness and to warn them against false teachers. We saw there in chapter 1 that he exhorted believers to pursue after holiness, to add to their faith those Christian virtues which show that they belong to Christ. And then he gave them incentives for heeding the exhortation that he gave them. Because of the apostolic eyewitnesses, because of the prophetic word, they were exhorted to heed the commands of God and to follow after Christ. Now as Peter continues here in chapter 2, We see here in verse 1 that he says, But there were false prophets also among the people. That word but there, that is a contrast, showing a contrast to chapter 1. Chapter 1 introduced the book. Chapter 2 begins to introduce a new study. And here Peter gives a sobering picture, a graphic picture, of false prophets in Israel, and of those false teachers that would come within the church age. And so here's another reason why he calls them and exhorts them to live holy lives, so that they might be on guard against those who would destroy their souls. Now as we look at this passage this morning, this is a lengthy passage, and I don't want to cover every detail. There's a lot of sermons in here. But this very well correlates with the small epistle of Jude. But here in chapter 2, we see first of all in verses 1 through 3 that Peter gives a description of these false teachers of whom he speaks of. And then secondly, in verses 4 through 9, he describes the judgment that awaits them. And then thirdly, in verses 10 through 22, we see a picture of their corruption. So as we look there in verses 1 through 3, we see the description of these false teachers and false prophets. Now he tells the church that among the people of Israel, there were false prophets. 
All the prophets of God brought the word of God to the people. But there were many false prophets in Israel. Many false prophets who uh, wanted to harm the souls of the people. And we see that even among the scribes and Pharisees. They had no desire to teach them the word of God to bring them the truth. And so he reminds them that just as there were false prophets in Israel, there shall arise among you, that is among the church, false teachers who will privily bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them. And so here we see a brief description of these false teachers. It says of them that they will come in and bring damnable heresies. Not only will they bring damnable heresies, but they'll bring heresies that deny the very Lord that bought them and will bring upon themselves swift destruction. And then he says in verse 2, that many of them, or many shall follow their damnable or destructive ways, or pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And then he continues on and he gives another description of them. He says that they will deceive, that through covetousness they shall with feigned words make merchandise of you. In other words, they'll use the people of God for their own advantage. And here, Peter is very clear in his depiction of these false teachers. He says they're dangerous. You must avoid them. They're dangerous because the influence of their beliefs, the influence of their teaching, and the influence of their morality in the church will cause great harm. Therefore, they are to be rejected. But notice here, I think this is an important truth that the Apostle Paul brings out as well, that we must watch one's life and doctrine closely because true doctrine results in holy living. If a man is not preaching the truth of God's word, it will lead to unholy living. And we see this today. We can, we can poke fingers at liberal churches because of their false doctrine. But Peter says these false teachers will arise among you. That they will rise up within the visible church. And oftentimes these false teachers bring tr things that are not in accordance with God's word. But they also come in with doctrines that lead to unholy and ungodly practices. Isn't it ironic in the modern church? that the more the church becomes accustomed to accepting the culture of the world, the more it begins to change its doctrine. And you see that particularly today with the issue of homosexuality. What was, was sinful and, and abhorrent before is now acceptable, and now we have to change the scriptures to fit our doctrine. But we do this with many things. And this is what happens within the church. And I think we need to be aware here as Peter lays this out before us that they will make merchandise of you. They will come and by their destructive ways lead your souls astray. 
And so he says, be careful that you warn that you not follow their ways. And then he mentions that through covetousness, they with feigned words shall make mer- merchandise of you, but their judgment is awaiting them. There at the end of verse 3, he says, and their damnation does not slumber. We are reminded that just God's justice never sleeps. God has a day appointed for their judgment. And so he describes them, verses 1 through 3. But in verses 4 through 9, he describes the judgment that awaits them. There in verse 4, there's three illustrations that Peter uses of judgment and of the same kind of judgment that will be meted against false teachers. For if God did not spare the angels that sinned, that cast them down to hell and delivered them in chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. This is the first illustration Peter lays out. That just as those angels who at one time lived in heaven as they ministered unto the Lord God, and as Lucifer led a rebellion against the angels in heaven, and a third of those angels fell in rebellion, the Lord cast them out of heaven, cast them to the ground, and here Peter says that he cast those angels into hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. John describes this in Revelation chapter 12. And here it's a reminder to us that Satan, who is our adversary, and all of his emissaries who work with him and serve with him, are in chains of darkness waiting for that day of judgment. They do not have complete control. Contrary to what some may think, Satan is not out running around, but he is chained in darkness. He has been cast down to hell. And so Peter gives this example in verses 4 through 9. He gives the example of those angels who were cast down to hell. And then he gives the example in verse 5 of that old world. But he saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, out of that ungodly world when he brought the flood upon them. Here Peter makes reference to, and he will make reference to this again in chapter 3, that there are three ages of which the New Testament speaks of. It speaks of that old age, referring to the time of Noah, referring to the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. That is the old world. And then he speaks of the present age, the church age, and then that age to come, which is the glorious day when Christ will return. And so he refers to that old age when Noah delivered the people from the judgment of God. And then we see in verse 6 a third example of the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, which we saw last week from Luke chapter 17, that he condemned them, as an example to those that should live ungodly. 
And so Peter says this should be an example, not only to false teachers, but to all who live ungodly lives, that there's coming a day when they will suffer the full wrath of God. And then he refers to righteous Lot, who was vexed with that filthy conversation or that filthy life of those in Sodom and Gomorrah. Here he shows, and we see this in Jude 7 as well, that by their lawless and sensual behavior, it vexed his soul, it tormented his heart, for he loved God, he loved God's law. And then he reminds the the people, as he writes to them, that the Lord knows how to live, deliver the godly out of temptation. The temptations that we face in the world, the temptations that Lot faced, the temptations that every generation of believers faces in this world, he reminds us that he will deliver us out of that and he will reserve that day of judgment for the ungodly. And so here, Peter gives a graphic depiction of the the day of judgment reserved for these false prophets. But then thirdly, in verses 10 through 22, we see a graphic picture of their destruction. He describes there in verse 10, But chiefly they are those that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise government. They refuse to honor and submit to those lawful authorities. They give themselves over to sensuality. Verses 10 through 13 characterize their life as a life of arrogance. They hate God's law. They hate authority. They hate what is right. And then in verses 13 through 16, he describes that not only are they arrogant and proudful, but they are sensual and unholy. There in verse 13, it says, And they shall receive the reward of unrighteousness, as they counted a pleasure to riot in the day, Spots spots they are and blemishes, sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you. So there's an excess of physical pleasure. There's the excess of that thing that that, uh, stimulates the body. Verse 14 says, Their eyes are full of adultery. They cannot cease from sin couple of things here in verse 14 for our instruction. It describes that they are adulterous, that they are sensual, that they love what God hates. And not only do they love what God hates, they cannot cease from sin. They want more and more of that which gives pleasure only for a season. But not only are they sensual and full of adultery, continue in sin, Verse 14 continues by saying, They beguile unstable souls. In other words, they they have a spell. They're able to, 
to captivate and, and draw those souls that are unstable. You know what they say of most cults, and this is certainly true of Mormons and, and uh, the Kingdom Hall. They typically go looking for those unstable souls. They look for those people who do not know the scriptures. They that might have some church background, but really have no grounding in the scripture. And so when they find someone who is a stable soul, who knows the scriptures, they quickly excuse themselves for another appointment. And yet here's a reminder that false teachers always look for unstable souls that they can take control over. And not only that, but they have their hearts exercised with covetous practice. They are, Peter says, cursed children. They literally have the curse of the Old Testament covenant upon them. It's an expression that God uses throughout the Old Testament that he will curse those who despise his law. And so he gives this graphic description depiction of the life it says they've forsaken the right way in verse 15 they've gone after the way of Balaam Balaam was a false prophet in numbers chapters 22 through 24 he had his eye on material gain which is always what false prophets look for money we got to keep our program going we got to keep the pastor flying around the country so they looked for material gain. And this is what Balaam looked for. He looked for material gain. And he had this donkey or this ass that spoke to him, prevented and hindered him. And yet, here's an example. Here's also a reminder in verse 17 that these false teachers are wells without water, clouds Carried with a tempest, to whom the mist of darkness is reserved forever. They promise life, as Jeremiah chapter 2 verse 13 says, but they're empty. They promise hope, they promise something, and yet they are empty. That reference or that metaphor to the storm or to the mist of darkness speaks of gloom and despair. Hell is described as a place of darkness that awaits them. And then he describes their swelling words. They speak words that everyone loves. Notice how these false teachers always have words that allure you. Words that draw you. Words that just make you comfortable. While they promise liberty and freedom, they enslave Servants of corruption. This is one thing to note in the day in which we live. When people talk about rights and freedom, it's nothing more than a guise to enslave you to their false teaching. Don't be caught off guard by it. For if, verses 20 and 21 state that these false teachers were at one time within the church of God, as John says, they went out from us, but they were never of us. For if they have escaped the pollution of the world through the knowledge of Christ, and they become entangled again, 
The latter end is worse than the beginning, for it would have been better if they had not known the way of righteousness than afterwards to have known it and then to turn away from it. Here's a sad commentary on the day in which we live. Many false teachers rise up within the church. We've seen a number of false teachings even in reform circles. And some of that is continuing today. We see so many violent and godless things coming up within in reformed churches. Revoice movement, this whole wokeism and all of these other things rise up within the church. The uh, doctrine of the federal vision, full preterism, all of these things are false doctrines that have come into reformed churches. And yet those who preach them, even if they have known the word of God, are better off not having known it because their end is worse. And then Peter begins with this closing proverb, which is quite sobering. He says, But it has happened unto them according to the true proverb, The dog is turned to his own vomit, and the sow has washed herself wallowing in the mire. Some of you may be familiar with raising pigs, but you know what? You can take a pig and give it a bath. You can clean it up. You can put perfume on her. And what is she going to do? She's going to go right back to the mud. And no matter what you do with a dog, there is that nature of a dog that wants to eat its own vomit. And that's what he says here. Just like that dog, just like the sow, they turn to their own nature. Their nature knows nothing more. They know nothing but the way of sin. They know nothing but the way of unrighteousness. And so they will be turned to their own judgment. They will be turned to their own way. The Apostle Paul reminds us there in Romans chapter 1 and 2 when he talks about the fact that all have sinned, that all are under the judgment of God. He speaks of the fact that there are some who have given themselves up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies. They change the truth of God into a lie and they worship and serve the creature more than the Creator. For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections. And here Peter reminds us that God reserves the day of judgment for these false teachers who have not followed the way of God. They are like the washed pig, still remains a pig. They are like the dog that returns to its vomit They're still dogs. They do not know the way of truth. And so here, friends, we have this reminder that we as Christians must not be gullible. We must not be captivated by the teachings of the world, no matter what some radio teacher or no matter what some popular evangelist or teacher says. We must always check their teaching by the word of God. Because if their teaching gives glory and honor to Christ, and if their teaching leads to the salvation and holiness of sinners, then we want to commend them. But if it doesn't, we want to be careful 
that they that we do not follow in their way. And so here is a reminder to us. History bears testimony of what Peter is talking about. We've seen damnable heresies present within every age of the church. We as the church need to pray for its peace and for its purity. We need to pray that God would give boldness to our preachers to speak the word of truth. We need to pray that God would protect his church from the wiles of Satan. That's why he's given us godly men who will rule within the courts of the church to protect us and to keep us from those who lead us astray. And so as we consider this this morning, let this be a reminder to us that God has reserved the day of judgment for all the ungodly and certainly for those who lead souls astray through the teaching that they bring. Let us take our Psalters and sing from Psalm 10b, Arise, O Lord, O God, lift up your hand. Thank mm-hmm. you.